Hey, thanks for being here. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 274 is with Celeste Headley from the podcast Big Sugar. I'm doing darn well, thanks. <laughs> I love, are you from out west? When we say darn well out west, we mean it. I do. I am from I'm from L.A. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I've always believed that if, if we were to invent sugar today, it would be a legalized drug. And after listening to Big Sugar, I am convinced that it's still a, 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 a drug. It's just a legalized drug. Yeah, I, I agree. In fact, we spoke with people who said it, it actually should be a, a regulated substance. And yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with you. Hey, I mean, when, when the president is saying we should only have two beers a week, I mean, what are we going to do with sugar here, huh? Yeah. And, and yeah, I tried very hard to, to cut it out of my diet almost entirely. If you listen to the podcast, you know that didn't turn out well. Um, it, it has now infiltrated seeped into almost everything that we eat Mm -hmm. um our vitamins our drinks our bread our pasta our peanut butter um that it became a part-time job it became expensive and it became a part-time job for me to try to get rid of it so it wasn't possible for me other people are more successful um but yeah if i could i would absolutely stop eating it well and making matters worse celeste is the fact that now they want they want to get uh, aspartame completely out of our lives and wasn't that just a go-to escape but i know it's dangerous but it wasn't sugar i don't i'm not entirely sure that aspartame is as dangerous as um it has been made to seem there are plenty of sugar substitutes that have shown no dangers or or negative side effects at all. And, you know, a lot of U.S. scientists came out when that report recently came out, which I assume you're alluding to, very strongly to say, look, that, the you know, this report was clearly influenced by the sugar industry. You know, and one of the things that we uncovered over the course of this investigative uh, podcast was how strongly the sugar industry was able to manipulate scientific studies and scientific research um, to squelch uh, investigation into the dangers of sugar on our health um, for a long time to make it appear that fat was the real danger to our cardiovascular health and that sugar was not a danger. I found this old ad that said, look, if if sugar really makes you fat, then how come there's so many skinny kids? That's literally what this ad said. So, yeah, I would unless you're a scientist, I would be very careful about these headlines um, that 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 tell you you know to avoid sugar substitutes i came from the state of montana where we had sugar beets out there down here in the carolinas Mm -hmm. everything is sugar cane and and god i didn't realize that sugar cane is such a a a big thing here a big made for profit for jamaica to florida yeah and and all over the world as well you know in many parts of, of, of indonesia as well and and throughout the caribbean of course um sugar you know Sugarcane has been uh, the the was for a very very long time the major um, source of of sugar as soon as basically as soon as we they they discovered it and but it's so labor intensive yep. that when they discovered they could make sugar through sugar beets that rose as well but sugar beets also have issues and they're also not necessarily easy to produce and extract sugar from either you know we haven't found the ideal way to make 
all of our food sweet. <laughs> there's there's no magic bullet here. Um, and maybe that's okay. Um, but sugar cane is, if you've never seen it, sugar cane is a tall, massive plant. It is thick. You need sometimes both hands to put your hands around a sugar yeah. cane. It is thick, like, like wood, like hard. Um, and you can very easily, I don't know if you've ever been in a cornfield, like a yes, real cornfield. Yeah, yeah. It is quite easy to get lost <laughs> in a sugarcane field and the, the leaves are sharp. They can cut you. Uh, it is a, it's a serious plant. Do you ever sit back and go, who was the first? Who who decided one day, I think I'm going to open up this sugar cane and oh my God, look what's inside. I mean, I think that about lots of plants, don't you? I mean, don't you ever look at an artichoke and thought, yeah. who Ooh. discovered that just the <laughs> thick part of this plant was delicious? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that's true, true of a lot of things. Uh, you know, who knocked on a coconut enough times? <laughs> I mean, I have to assume that at some point, you know, lightning struck a sugar cane or something and you smelled this sweet burnt sugar and you tasted it, right? I mean... You know, it, it was it had to have happened at, at some point. It didn't take too long. One of the things that you expose inside the podcast, Big Sugar, and this this really kind of shocked me, and that is is that the workers are abused. Oh yeah, horribly. I mean, they couldn't. They you know they tried to get Americans to do it, and for quite some time, there was a history of them luring. African Americans yeah. uh, to do this work, and there were actually court cases, and the Department of Justice got involved because they were literally using fraudulent means to um, lure African Americans to work in the fields, and then keeping them there, um, literally as captives. Um, and when they were unable to do that anymore, um, they began to use migrant workers and. It just the conditions are horrible. They are working in the hot Florida sun. They're wearing, they were wearing armor because they have to use an extraordinarily sharp machete to mm -hmm. cut through this very, very thick cane. They're working for, they're supposed to cut eight tons of cane in eight hours, um, which means they just keep going down a row of cane with this very sharp machete. Mm. Um, if they cut themselves, they're going to, they can cut a limb off if they accidentally hit an arm or oh leg or finger. Yeah. Uh, they um, get a very short period of time for lunch. Sometimes that's just a bowl of rice. Maybe it's a bowl of rice with a little bit of chicken in it. They don't get a break to take water. Um, it's been people have fainted in the fields. Um, if they're not strong enough, they get sent back and deported. Um, the 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 housing in which they were given, we have uh, documentary footage. Some documentarians actually disguised themselves and broke through because they really? were the the owner. Yeah, the owners of these companies tried very hard to keep anybody away from these workers, and got footage of the places where they lived, and they were just horrible. I mean, honestly, as an American, I, w I was ashamed of the way we treated these workers. We needed them. We needed them because we ourselves would not do this job, and we treated them horribly and mm. then stole their wages yep 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 who's profiting from this Who, who's making the big dollars is it the sugar companies yeah um and we're and when I, when you say big dollars billions really um through the farm bill the u.s taxpayers pay billions in federal welfare 
to these sugar companies. We are incentivizing them to plant sugar as though they need it. Um, sugar is a pretty profitable crop. We don't actually need to incentivize them to plant it. And yet the government does exactly that. So we pay them billions, over $2 billion mm. to plant sugar. And yet we as taxpayers also pay more for our sugar in the grocery store than almost any other developed nation. Yep. So yeah, these, these small number of people that own these sugar companies are billionaires, mm, mm. massively wealthy. I, I got to come clean with you, Celeste, in, in the way that uh, during the lockdown, I took up a job at a grocery store because I just wanted to be with people. And in all mm -hmm. the carts that people are trying to break out of the building with, all the theft items, I have never seen sugar in a basket. In, in, in all the things huh. that they're stealing, I've never seen sugar in a basket. But you have, though. You just didn't realize it ah. because I bet you saw bread. Yeah, oh, I bet okay. You saw I, okay, peanut yep, butter. Yep, yep. Okay, I bet okay you, you saw. Win. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they have sugar in everything now. It's in beef jerky. Yes, it's it is. in. They put sugar in everything, and I know that because I tried to stop doing this podcast. Put me off sugar, Arrow. Like I did not. I lost my taste for it, and I tried to cut it out, and it was so hard. It's in everything. It's in sometimes it's in toothpaste. Yeah, I see. I can see that absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Is it, is, is it because the consumer wants to wants something that tastes good? We don't like the bitter flavor. Is it, is it that we are craving it like, like people crave their drugs and alcohol? I mean, I think it's just the success of the sugar lobby that they, uh, you know, the more they're able to place their, their product in products, the right. more of it they sell. Right. Um, so I think that's just how successful they have been. And they have been very, very successful. We are talking about a, a, a sugar industry and a sugar lobby that has operated beneath the surface in the shadows and is so incredibly powerful. At one one of the stories that we tell in this is a true story of, of Bill Clinton while he was president in the Oval Office, breaking up with Monica Lewinsky and has told his aides, leave me alone, I do not want to be interrupted. And yet one of the aides calls in on the intercom and says, there's a phone call for you. And he says, I don't, told you I don't want to be interrupted. And the aide says, it's Alfie Van Hool oh. of US Sugar. Oh, and oh, the president oh. says, I'll take that call. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he picks up the phone. That's how powerful these sugar barons are. They're brothers. Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah, that's Cuban. what I thought. Yeah, and because I mean, yeah. when when you talk about that inside the podcast, Big Sugar, all of a sudden I'm drawn deeper and deeper into a Scarface style story here, man. Because I mean, it really, it, it really. Can, do you not feel it when when you were putting this together? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's no desktops full of cocaine, but yes, these are two brothers who grew up in just ridiculous, fabulous wealth in Cuba. Um, their their former home became a uh, a national museum, a palace. Mm -hmm. uh, Castro took over, took everything from them, and they came to the United States and vowed that they would rebuild their their empire, and they did. Um, and yeah, they are ridiculously wealthy. We tried so hard to talk to them, and one of the things that came home that you know to me so clearly was that if you are wealthy enough in the United States, you don't have to answer questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Is there a sugar cartel? Um, 
I mean, in the broad sense of that word, yes. Wow. I, I think it's 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 okay to call it that. If you're talking about cartel in terms of Mexico, Mexico yeah. and drugs, yeah. no, obviously it's not literally that. Um, but you know, the Cato Institute, the libertarian um, institution, they did a, a long in-depth policy analysis on the sugar industry, and it was called "Candy Coated Cartel: <laughs> Time to Kill the U.S. Sugar Program." Oh no! Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's knocking on your door from the from this from this sugar company? Because somebody somebody's got to be coming to your door, going, "Will you stop it? You're saying way too much." Um, I have not gotten those emails, but what we are getting are a lot of reviews on the podcast that are one star and and are very, very similar in content and wording. <laughs> um, <laughs> suspiciously similar. It's almost like when you go to Amazon and you find a whole bunch of five star reviews that sound really, really similar yeah. and they all misspell the same words. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 the same thing here where, where there's a whole bunch of one star reviews that sound suspiciously the same. Um, so, you know, and, and again, you know, a lot of those things don't come directly to me. I can't say what kind of um, messages the producers have received. Right. Um, I have not gotten those direct messages, uh, you know. But again, this is also an industry that has been extremely good at operating in the shadows for a very, very long time, hundreds of years. Let's talk podcaster to podcaster in the way that we all go through these moments where we have this idea. Your idea was we're going to talk about big sugar. Did you go through the cold sweats of wondering, is this going to work? What are we, what are we going to do that's going to make it different? Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. And there's always the cold sweat when you're dealing with something. Look, you know, <laughs> we're essentially doing a podcast about the sugar industry and the farm bill, mm -hmm. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's always difficulty when you're talking about something like this and you're trying to explain something very, very complicated to people. And, you know, there's another thing when you're trying to, in a certain sense, um, serve them broccoli because some of this is broccoli. Some of this is like, okay, let's explain this complicated thing to you. Um, but there's also in this podcast, a lot of it is pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. mean, there is, you know, murder and mayhem and riches and secrecy and revolution. And I mean, this is a legal drama like no other. Um, and a multi-generational mystery. You know, yes, there is that worry. Um, but, you know, as long as the story is good and this is good, as long as the stakes are high and they could not be higher, you know, we knew we were going to be okay. Wow. The... Uh, the thing that surprises me about this is that you that first of all, I, I listen to it while I'm driving. And, and I think that if I were to read this in a magazine, my mind would go and go in different places. But because you are taking your time with this podcast, Big Sugar, I'm able to better understand it. And I think that's what's so fascinating about how you're putting all of this together. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, you know, I, I, we're always going to I'm always going to bring the NPR sensibility of, yep. of using that ambient sound to make, you know, to bring in the sounds to help people feel as though they are there. 
that that three D sound so, to where I'm not just in Florida. I want you to hear the sounds of the cane feel around me, um, and I want to describe what I'm seeing so that you can imagine it and visualize yep. it in your head. Um, and um, that kind of storytelling becomes multisensory. Uh, I think storytelling becomes um, much more effective when it involves your nervous system. <laughs> and that, you know, that's the whole, that's the thought process behind NPR's storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the ways that it makes us more successful is because we never tell us, we almost never tell a story unless it involves your nervous system. Yep. Um, I, yeah. ca I call it theater of the mind, and I've always I've always studied NPR in the way of you, you guys take us someplace. When we tune into something on NPR, when we when we listen to Big Sugar on on iHeartRadio, you're taking us someplace, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, and 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 it helps you. You know, broadcasting is difficult. I sometimes. Um, compare broadcast writing to poetry because there are so many limitations, <laughs> yep. right? You have to keep your writing very simple. You can't write, you can't write like you're in the New York Times. You can't have all these subordinate clauses <laughs> and difficult, fancy words because people can only have their ears in which to take it in. They can't go back and reread. They can't look things up in the dictionary. Right. They're taking in that information only orally and you have to make it clear and precise um and so there are limitations to broadcast writing and so you have to help people out and you have to help it help them out in a way that they can retain both understand the information and retain it and so yeah making it so that it's it's multi-sensory and so that the storytelling has a beginning and a middle and an end you know one of my editors used to compare it to a trapeze <laughs> she's like you need to make sure that the next rung is there for the listener so that when they let go of that rung, the next rung is there. <laughs> you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Really appreciate that. Thanks. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? I plan on it. Thanks. You too.